You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. Hi, everyone. I hope you're doing okay and staying safe. My guest today is Charlie Barnett. Charlie is a wonderful actor who I love to watch in absolutely anything. We were at Juilliard together. He was in the class right after me with my husband and is a close friend of ours. He's done a lot of work in TV since school, including Russian Doll on Netflix, which I was excited to get a chance to talk about his experience on. It's a fantastic show and he's incredible on it. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, I highly recommend it. He was also on Chicago Fire and Tales of the City, which we didn't really touch on in this conversation, but coincidentally, He and my last guest, Murray Bartlett, act opposite each other on that show and are fantastic together. He's such a warm-hearted and open guy, and recording this really made my day. I'm looking forward to sharing this conversation with all of you. I hope you enjoy the 158th episode of The Compass. of sounding um, masochistic (laughs) I do enjoy as an artist going exploring the dark side I'll say I think you have to be comfortable with it if you're not why are you doing this (laughs) Um, comfortable may be a, a, a strong word but you have to at least be brave enough to go to those places and so for me, I've, I've realized, you know, unwillingly a lot of the time in getting to those places in a natural spot in my life or as an artist, you know, at school and shit like that, or just the strife of everything going around you, utilizing it and seeing how it can kind of like relay in your performance. Um, I started to, you know, at 32, appreciate the dark sides of myself, of my mind, and it's changed my relationship with them. Hmm. But I will say in order to protect myself, because you always need, you know, there's the dark side of like, I'm playing a <clears throat> suicidal alcoholic, but he's beautiful, you know? But then there's the dark side of like, I just walked into five auditions and these people 
didn't give me the time of day, and they gave me nine extra pages to to read in the room, and I hate myself and hate everything that I do, and I'm not creative right. and talented. That kind of dark side is <laughs> extremely dangerous. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, what does that mean to you when I say that? Those are it's, two good categories. <laughs> it's terrifying. Um, but I also know that it kind of comes with the territory. Uh, the way that I get through it is creating conversations with myself and it's a lot of fucking work it's time it's like that 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 muscle has not been worked to its fullest for me i know um so it takes a lot of strangely enough just thinking back on this we had uh bradley whitford came and talked to us about getting notes and he had this quip about uh i remember when i was receiving notes my first thought would be fuck you you're an asshole my second thought was I'm such a fuck up. I'm terrible. I hate myself. I'm the worst actor. And the last one would be, what, wait, what was the note? Right. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and he's like, I've just gotten better or at least I'm not getting better. He's like, I can get through those actions quicker. To the and third for, one. Yeah. And for me, I've always just kind of like applied that to, you know, in talking to myself and amping myself and specifically in like dark moments. I'm not great at it right now, but I'm getting better and better and it's getting quicker and quicker. And it becomes easier and easier for me to be like, oh, that's one of those moments. I'm getting dark on myself. Because the key is, as much as those people are assholes or treated you like shit in that room that you walked into or, you know, you felt like you didn't do as well as you could do, majority of the time, it's all in your own head. Whether or not it's true or not, cool. You know what I mean? That could be assessed in some light. But you're the one who's punishing yourself majority of the time. Not to be said that it's not incredibly difficult to stop that, but that's what I notice in myself. And if I can change that conversation in my head, I can change the the darkness. Yeah, I totally relate. I feel like I'm definitely the hardest on myself. And it's, o- it's oftentimes crazy. other people didn't even notice what you thought, like whatever nerves you were feeling or whatever you thought was going on, because they're probably thinking about themselves. A hundred fifty percent, you know? Yeah. Or they're just like, you know, it, it could be even just that, like callousness, you know what I mean? Like they're thinking about like, I defeat my daughter today and I'm sorry, I started thinking about that during your audition and that sucks. Yes, it does. But, right. you know, we're all human and shit happens. We can't take it personally. And what I've learned, when you learn how to not take it personally, it protects you. Because who cares either way? I'm good enough that I will continue to work and get better. I, I will you know, apply what I feel like I was lacking in that audition to my next one to be better. But, no, fuck those people. (laughs) (laughs) Over the course of your career, how has your relationship to auditioning changed? A lot. Um, You know, auditioning is a muscle, right? It's, that's so funny to say, but it it is really true. Um, It's like a muscle. Um, I, I have a love-hate relationship with it because it, it um, it's a workout for me. It's, it's just like going to a gym, you know? Um, you see that it's so necessary. Uh, God, this is such a layered one for me. <laughs> and I really, almost like the fear aspect, I really like it because it shakes me up. It makes you fucking humble. 
You know, you walk into a room and you feel like you have some power or clout and you walk into a room and look at the people around and feel that kind of judgment. And I don't want to say you feel turned down on yourself because it's not the same as like beating yourself up, but you feel a sense of humbleness when you're like, oh, these people are probably just as talented as me and doing just as much. And that reminds me that I need to keep fucking working. You know, mm-hmm. I need to keep applying all my best that I can to get better and better. So I really love auditioning for that. I think it just keeps me moving. Um, but there is a sense that I've, and maybe I'm being really selfish in this, but I will admit this right now to actors, <laughs> to us <laughs> artists. You get to a place where you're like, oh my God, I'm in my career and I've been doing this for a while. I watch like, you know, so many of our friends get offers left and right. They don't have to audition anymore. Right. And I'm like, well, where, when do you get to that point? And God knows it's a lovely, it would be a lovely time <laughs> to be able to just get a call and be like, we, we love what you do. You don't need to work for us. We want you to have it. But I, I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound very nice. <laughs> yeah, that they're nice. aware of your work and so much uh, that they tr- would trust that you could do whatever yeah, they needed. Right? Yeah. I, yeah, I'm, it's like I'm terrified of that moment coming because I feel like it's a part of the start of a downfall that makes you really lazy as mm. an actor. It makes you stop, like, needing to work so hard, you know, because you're like, what do I need to work for? I got you. They're calling. <laughs> um, but there's the other side of me just talking about auditioning that I'm like, I feel like I'm just pushing to a point of being like, I'm just waiting for them to not not audition me anymore and just be calling in. <laughs> So so much about what we love to do as actors is like the collaboration part of it. And Mm -hmm. the thing, the thing that is hard for me to get over about auditions is you're so much in the dark. You're just on your own so much with it. And there's a lot of background that you don't know or discussions that you don't know what direction they're coming at it from. And you're making a lot of assumptions based on the clues that you have. And I, I just always wish we could jump to that place where yeah, we already know each other a little bit and we can have this conversation and we're working on it together instead of like, yeah. I'm just going to show you this guess that I have. Yeah, I, you know, because of that, I, I realized early on and even still today, I still like throw myself at every audition that I can. I mean, my agents will be like, you're not right for this. And I'm like, I don't fucking care. Put me just in the room because practice. I know it's going to work. It. What was that? Like just to practice. Just to practice. I mean, it got me to a point, Frankie and I would talk about it during pilot season when he was out here. Him included, we would be burnt the fuck out because you have literally four, three auditions a day sometimes. It's just like, what? I, I can't memorize 28 pages every night. I cannot do it. <laughs> um, but it got me, on one aspect, it got me more and more comfortable in the room, yes. But it also got me caring less and less. So that when I walked into rooms and I didn't get it because of the bullshit of like, it was probably because I was too tall. Or, you know, right. I did that one movie and, you know, they didn't like that character and they're worried about the, the reflection on it on this one. Any kind of whatever political bullshit, I don't really care anymore. Because I'm like, well, I got ten more. I don't have that many auditions anymore. <laughs> We're in the middle of a pandemic. I have none right now, so <laughs> I need to shut up. But, but you know, I hopefully ten more next year, you know, or next right. month. Like, right. How are you guys doing? during this time, this crazy, crazy time. It's, I was talking to my mom the other day about this. It feels really bad sometimes to say that you're doing good, you know? 
right. um, that you feel safe or comfortable or, you know, I, that you have savings um, to rely on because so many people by no fault of their own, I'm sorry, I'm getting like a little emotional, but by no fucking fault of their own are not. And it's, it's really scary. It's really scary and it sucks because we're also in a position where we can't, we can't help. We can't reach out. We can't like go, um, go um, volunteer. I can't go to a, a, a shelter and, and donate my time. I can't go help my parents. I can't fly home and make sure that they're safe. Uh, it's this weird predicament of being like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So that emotional and the mental kind of side, I think, is really difficult personally for me. Right. But I've, I'm so grateful to feel safe, healthy, with a partner who... You know, I, our only fights have been about, like, the most unnecessary, stupid shit. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I'm just annoyed at you, so let's just give each other some space and move on. Um, you know, it's like, it's been so damn good. So, and and I hope that I have work to come back to. I know that this industry throughout, I mean, we haven't been a, around this world for a long time. You know, we're both young folks, but... <laughs> I, we've seen through pandemics, smaller pandemics, but through pandemics, through uh, terrorist, you know, um, disruption, through leadership changes, through blackouts, through, uh, uh, you know, um, financial ruins. Mm-hmm. And we've seen this, this art be resilient, not only, but also be what people turn to for hope and for balance and for, yeah, even cheaply entertainment, you know? Um, and because of that, I'm not worried for us. I'm just, um, I'm worried for theater. <laughs> if anything. Yeah. Well, and I, no, I'm not, I'm not worried for the art form as a whole. It's just like yeah. you said, like the, the day to day financial survival and health of everybody who, who is dependent on it um, until, yeah. until we can get to the other side, you know? That I'm really hoping that, you know, and uh, if there's any light at the end of the tunnel, that because of it being this kind of switch up, when things, you know, knock on wood, if we do get a vaccine and things can actually really start moving quickly, it's going to create so much more opportunity for people who haven't had a chance, I really think, because mm. there's going to be so much work that wants to get done that needs to be put out. Fast. And not enough people, like that person's working on this project and this project I'm sorry you have to find somebody else and it's like I really hope to see like a lot of our friends that we know deserve a fucking chance that's that's a really hopeful way to look at it I like that Uh, I hope I'm just putting it out I didn't get to see it but did I see on social media that you were doing some like readings and stuff in your in in your spare time right now have you gotten to do a little bit I'm trying to do as many as I can. You know, even like, like Samira called one day, Cameron and Dylan and I, am I allowed to like drop names like that? Yeah, why not? (laughs) (laughs) These are friends of ours from Juilliard, everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Called one day and was like, I'm bored. We're not doing anything. Can we read a play? (laughs) And we were like, yeah, why not? So we all like picked up white noise from Susan Laurie Parks, which is like not an easy play just to like, read blind (laughs) oh my god um but we all sat down and read it just for like fun i have been doing a couple for like charity for um 
you know, for theaters uh, and for like the SAG uh, After Foundation. Um, I'm doing, you know, other ones with friends who are trying to do films, like Brock and Creed are trying to do one out in the ranch. And so mm. just like reading through just to kind of develop the script. Um, <clears throat> again, look, I'm all about, I know my ass is lazy. I know I'm a procrastinator. <laughs> I learned this at Juilliard from my lovely professor, Becky Guy. She's an angel, and she told me it real. <laughs> and because of that, I've learned that, like, look, if this is who you are and you know this about yourself, yeah, it's a, it's a downfall. But you can use tactics and tools to keep yourself on top on top of it and by forcing myself into auditions when I don't, when I, you know, maybe when it's too much or by forcing myself to go into rooms that I, I'm not perfect for or to do readings, um, you know, be, it keeps my muscle going and I, I need it more than they need me. <laughs> I'll tell you that. So I'm so fucking thankful to be doing readings. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, we just had a great one for, um, I think it was for Louisville, Louisville. And for SAG after him. Um, Actress Theater of Louisville. I think, was that the one that you did with Mirai? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah, was, I think that's me. what I had seen it on her Instagram. That's why I knew you yeah. guys had been doing readings. I love her. Great program, too. Mirai, I know Mirai, man. Another one that I'm like, this, why has she not getting her due? I mean, she's <laughs> been successful, but like, that is an actress yeah, that she's means. she's fantastic. She's so fantastic. So fantastic. And this program, I mean, Play Per View is great. I I love the hmm. idea of it. I hope it continues after this. I'm, you know, it seems like a really cool idea. I honestly, like, we've been in this strange little parent bubble, and it's it's been weird because we just haven't had the bandwidth to participate in any of that, like, the artistic offerings that have been happening online. So I feel a little yeah. bit disconnected from it because by Don't the end of the feel... day, I'm just, like, done. Yeah. I mean... Look, I cannot imagine having a child through this right now. <laughs> I will say, I mean, probably easier to be, I mean, a seven-year-old would be really difficult because you have to explain it to right. her. Might be, you know, the golden light through this is that she's so young and yeah. you get that time that a lot of parents probably wouldn't have if we weren't going through a pandemic. Um but I cannot imagine what you guys are going through. I feel for you so deeply. It's a special so thing. So don't worry. About <laughs> <life>. <laughs> we'll watch the theater. You must. Okay, good. <laughs> Keep an eye on it. Although the cool thing I will say about this, like my parents watched the production. I think it was like a two-hour show, which is, you know, a little bit long. But my mom was like, it was great. I was able to like watch, go to the bathroom and listen. Grab a glass of wine. <laughs> like it was just a show in the background in my personal home. I loved it. That's <laughs> like, cool. Thanks, mom. Yeah, thanks, mom. Um, so you grew up in Florida, right, in Sarasota, mm-hmm. and you start. You came to Juilliard right out of high school, mm-hmm. which you know we had a different experience in that way since I went from grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, what was what was your experience like when you left, when you left Juilliard, like going out into the world as an adult for the first time into this industry? What was that transition like? Not easy. I, I was one of those people who I sat down with many of our teachers at Juilliard and had, I remember having a conversation with Becky and Richard telling them that I thought that I needed to go back to school, but I was like, I really think that I should go and apply to Yale or NYU grad because I just need to do this all over again. Um, you had that conversation like 
around graduation or after? Uh, I had my junior year with Becky, and I think I had my senior year with Richard. Um, uh, like right, not like before uh, we did our showcases, which is towards the end of the year for me listening. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like right towards the beginning of it. I, I remember even like Drew Foster and I, both classmates, had not even discussed together, but we were both interested in like becoming faculty or like becoming teachers. Because I was like, I, I just didn't trust myself. I didn't trust having an opportunity. You know, my experience at Juilliard was not awesome. <laughs> Um, that being said, I still respect and love it and cherish it, but it was not awesome. Right. Um, and there was a lot of like mental strife for me. Um, and because of that, I did not believe in myself on exiting. Um, I think by showcase, I had started like, I hate to admit this, but it's, it's cause it's so shallow in a certain way. And I'm going to turn back to my mom because my mom's the one that convinced me that this was okay to do. And I guess she kind of changed the frame of it in my mind. But I started really like powering down on being like, fuck it. I'm just going to work out. I'm going to try and get as like fit as I can for Mm -hmm. at least like showcases. So even if my acting doesn't like support my talent, (laughs) which is so shitty, I was like, well, fuck it. Like I've seen people walk out of here with agents just because they're pretty. So let me try. Let me try. And every chick, let me check it out of my back, my book. Right. My mom said something to me. She was like, look, think about it. You know, she's a homeopathic doctor. So she thinks about it from a health scope. And she's like a violinist at your school goes and finds a violin that has, that is made from wood that is like, you know, molded from the, the perfect Oak and, and it is bent to like, perfection and varnished in the right way so it resonates the sound perfectly and the strings are tight you can't have a violin i made out of like plywood you know lacquered up and then you know thrown on some fucking yarn it's not going to play right your body is your violin as an actor and you have to take care of it you have to make sure that it is in pristine shape that doesn't mean you have to be the fucking rock it doesn't mean you have to be a size zero that doesn't that means whatever it means for you to be healthy right and it took me a couple you know even through that last year of being like this is all about image or is it about like me being healthy it took a lot of balance between that i've come to a place where i'm like fuck abs i need to work out because it makes me feel mentally able and capable to fight my neck my next day um so i'm really happy with it now but I, I had turned into a place of, at the end of the year, just being like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I have to make something work. Right. Well, and, <laughs> so and, that, and that was you dealing with that. I mean, knowing you as an actor, like dealing with that dark side, telling yourself one thing that wasn't true. Yeah. Like yeah. you were, you were prepared, but I'm sure you felt like you weren't. No, no. And all throughout my life, that little voice that we're talking about, that dark voice, I, and again, like I think about it now and it is my push too, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like, it is that respect. I hate it, but it, it keeps me remembering that like, I have to work at all angles, you know? As soon as I was like, oh, well now you're getting fit. You must be a shit actor. So go <laughs> read some fucking Chekhov and dissect it. <laughs> no, I mean, I was, I was kind of having an anxiety day yesterday and I could feel myself telling me those those negative things and that, you know, I'm just not good enough or blah, 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 failure or whatever it is. 
and it, like you said, I've just I've gotten quicker of it, at least being aware of it and knowing that like I just need to sit in being uncomfortable today, and then it's gonna pass. Yeah, and I need to just let it go, and I probably won't believe these things are true in the morning. Yeah, you know, Bradley for um, Leslie Headland, um, who's a writer who um, wrote with uh, Natasha uh, Russian Doll. And, um, you know, she wrote Bridesmaids that, like, Dylan was in. And, mm-hmm. um, incredible, incredible writer, writes from the soul. And she she and I had many conversations about that voice and how you utilize it. She has a strong voice, too, you know. Um, and from, like, those two people, a lot of people that I've seen in this industry, learning how to, trying to push that voice down and hide it never fucking works. You end up way worse, if you can learn how to almost like find the balance of listening, accepting or moving past it by letting it get out and getting ahead of it, it's like a, it's like a weird balance of respect and also like, I control you. Thank you for reminding me, but that's not what I need right now. Then you, it's, it's so valuable. I'm sorry. So I was going to say valid, but valuable. You know what I mean? It is just, it can be your, it's it's for me. It's what can ta- it's what I it's why I'm able to tap into my emotions. You know what I mean? Like mm. I would never want to lose it, but I need to learn how to control it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I have them every day too, Leah. <laughs> 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 they come every day. <laughs> what was it like working on Russian Doll with all of those heavy themes? I mean, it sounds, from what you've told me, it sounds like it was an amazing group of people and like oh, that yeah. you all handled it in a really healthy way. But what was that process? It was really difficult. It was really difficult, but anything that's not difficult is like, why are you, why, why would you want to experience it? If this is easy, I'd be like, it's shit. <laughs> because it was so hard, I was like, maybe it will be good. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I didn't want it to sound like it was all, you know, I, Sometimes I, I think about my crew members and being like, am I being a hypocrite by being like, it was all like roses and amazing. It was, it was unbelievable. It truly was amazing, but it was really fucking difficult and challenging. And like, I was ready to like jump off a building sometimes, not literally speaking, but in a, you know, mental or metaphysical way. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> no pun intended because my character does. Well, that's what I was going to uh, say. It deals, it deals oh, with that sorry. situation. <laughs> Look, I could joke about these things because I've been there. You went for it. Um, well, because I remember, I remember talking to you when you were filming it, and you were like, night shoots every night in the East Village, Lower East Side, like, staying up. I mean, there was, yeah, there was that side of it. There was, like, the technical side of We were just shooting at late hours and not getting sleep, and, you know, the scripts were changing a lot because it's a very specific and, you know, no blame to our creators. They were doing the best job that they had the opportunity to do to make that script as strong as it was and that required a lot of details and right specificity yeah and so you know we were all working as we went and that is really really difficult especially if you're working on a script like this that is revisiting returning cycling back over the same thing a million times over but you know Natasha and myself being the only two actors that aren't experiencing it for the first time every time you know, we have to relive it and acknowledgement with the acknowledgement of we've lived through this, 
we're experiencing it again and again and again and again. And that, that those layers that go on top of it change, you know, as you know, it changes every time that you have, you walk into that room. So each experience is so different, but for everybody else, they're just living it for the first time. Hmm. Um, it was, it, I had to map out everything and Jamie Babbitt, who is one of our directors, who's an unbelievable director, and Frankie's worked with her. Yeah. Praises her. So wonderful. Um, such a fright. She's so god, just incredible. Um, she <laughs> would come up to me and be like, great, I love that you made this whole like map, and it's so good. You did all the background. Wow. Applause, applause. Now you need to throw all that shit away because you're locked in your head, and you're only thinking of the map. <laughs> <laughs> like, move you know, here, whatever. pick this up. Yeah. Right, right, right. So it was a challenge. It was like, you know, every time you you would get somewhere, you'd have to be like, go back to here, like go here, do that. You know what I mean? It was like jumping all around. Um, And psychologically, for me performing it, like I was still drinking at the time. Mm -hmm. I was drinking heavily at the time. I had maybe a couple of experiences where I'd call my partner walking home, like wasted in the streets of New York being like, I don't know what's where my reality ends and where this character exists now. And you you know I've had that experience before in school and it led me to a really unhappy and dark place. And those places are scary. But again, having experienced it, having lived through it and being able to kind of face it in a different way, you know, I went home, I slept, I woke up, I got some space away from it and I you know a couple months later I decided that I need to stop drinking because that's what was kind of holding me back and and making or at least putting me in places that um I was risking I was risking my own self yeah. um so ultimately I was really thankful to have those experiences from Russian Doll because it brought me to where I am now um but yeah, it was hard. It was really hard and so damn, so damn fulfilling at the same time. Like I learned a priceless amount from Natasha and from Leslie and from Jamie and from Chris, our, our cinematographer, and from you know, from the entire team. Um, because it was such a guerrilla style production you know we were kind of just like trying to make something work (laughs) (laughs) that nobody was sure that would work you know I don't don't, you know as much as Netflix believed in Natasha I still don't believe that they were like yeah this is gonna be as successful as we think it is (laughs) I'm so I'm, I'm just I'm unbelievably proud and honored to be a part of it but I'm so damn proud of it's such an original idea I mean how could you know until the audience had their reaction. I still, I will, I mean, I've lied about this sometimes just to be like, this is going to be easier. So I'm sorry to the public, but I have not watched it. All the way through. Oh my God. <laughs> I think, this conversation is making me want to watch it again, but I didn't have to film it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, I, I, I can only I imagine. Oh my God. Huh? I can only imagine just like taking the Groundhog's like Groundhog's Day thing to the extreme, watching it now. <laughs> I you know, I used to like harp on Driver. You know, Driver is like famous for not watching this shit, right? And I used to be like, <laughs> come on, 
dude, like, get over it. And now I sit here and I've, like, yet to watch, like, five of my fucking things because I'm just, like, terrified. So sorry, driver. I think I get it. But it's still to me, I'm like, why? Like, come on. Get over it. Like, one day. watch yourself. And actually, it might help you. It might help you a lot. Like, no, but I'm sure, I'm sure it'd be hard to separate the finished product from all those experiences, shooting it over and over and over again. I mean, do you get this from, like, from watching Friends and all that? Like, I'll see somebody on screen sometimes that we know, and I'll be like, it's really hard for me to, like, drop out and not be like, oh, yeah, you did that. Yeah, yeah that's hard, especially depending on what it is. Like, sometimes if it's like network TV where maybe the writing isn't so great or something, or it's not, it's not really requiring them to use many skills like they just they just need to be themselves and like talk or whatever you just watch it and you're like oh yeah they're doing that thing that I watched them do for four years in drama school yeah (laughs) that's so and so being so and so yeah yeah. good job make your make your paycheck yeah we all do it (laughs) except for Rose Byrne and like Meryl Streep and like uh, (laughs) the best uh we don't have to talk about this if you don't want to but, oh, I want to talk about everything. <laughs> oh, it's so good to see you. This is making me so happy. Um, has your experience working on jobs since you became sober, like, has it changed a lot? Did, have you had to, like, reach for different tools? Because um, I know when I stopped drinking, you know, I was doing it a lot to manage anxiety, and I had to find different ways to deal with that shit. Yeah, you know, let me be clear. Um I, I don't like this term, but a lot of people have coined it. Um, I'm California sober. Oh yeah, I I don't is, like I, it either. But we can we can just be specific <laughs> since you stopped drinking. You still smoke. smoke I stopped pot. drinking. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it's important because to the people to the community of people who are sober, I, I understand that's very different. Right, you right, know right. what I mean? And I am not entirely sober, um, and I respect you know the people that are, and I just. I don't know, just for me, it's like it's, it, it needs to be clarified. No, yeah, thank you for um, doing so. Yeah, and it, it's specific, you know, I I didn't go through a lot of the program. I didn't go through AA. I'd gone to a lot of meetings. I took a lot of the tools from it, and I utilized almost everything from the meetings but didn't go to the meetings. Um, so I, I, it's just a part of, like, respect. I feel like it, mm-hmm. it's due. Um, but, yes, of course, yeah, it changed a lot. Um some for the better, some not. You know, as soon as I, th- I stopped drinking, I thought, and I, I don't know if you had this experience, but I was like, oh my God, everything's going to fall into place. All my problems are going to like figure themselves <laughs> out. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be like the best ever. Um, and that did not happen at all. Um, I still have to work very hard at solving many other things. The cool thing is I'm a lot more capable at solving them because I don't have this crutch or this kind right. of scapegoat. I will say too, I cherish and still really respect drinking. I see it as a tool for people. I misuse that tool. I abuse it. And I know that there are a lot of people that do, but I have nothing and no problem with people drinking. I think it should be used as, you know, use it how you can and when you can and in the safest ways possible for you. Myself, can't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's like, you know, it's like an ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend to me. It's like, we had our time. It was lovely. I had so much fun. We had great memories. If I see you at a bar, I'm not going to kick you out. I'm not going to leave. But, like, we also can't fuck together anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can't go down. <laughs> it's, it's not helpful. Um, 
So, yes, uh, in one aspect, nothing changed, you know what I mean, to a certain extent, except for things within myself, which are so much more important in the long run. Um, on a work scope, I can't deny, you know, I stopped drinking and suddenly, like, all these jobs came, you know, none of them were offers, <laughs> again, but, like, <laughs> I, I finished Russian and I... You, I, I have to say too, so many people on that set, so much of the crew and the creative staff were sober and entirely sober, not California sober. Um, a lot of them have done the program and I had started so many conversations with them about it and that's what really initiated me into it. But mm -hmm. I was still really terrified. Um, I had one really terrible experience, uh, terrible experience. I was drunk and got lost in the middle of Williamsburg. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like fell asleep on a fucking street and woke up to a lovely lovely little um, Jehovah's Witness woman who told me that I needed Jesus. As much as I love, love that thought and appreciate <laughs> her, her uh, care and compassion, I took the note. I, I, I realized I do need Jesus, but I don't know if I'm going to turn to the church. Not maybe Jehovah's Witness church. Respect, <laughs> but no, not for me. Um, and so I decided that it was time. It was time that I needed to do this. I needed to do this or else I was going to lose everything. Yeah. And I'm so glad that I did because then I got Tales after that. Um, and I got Arrow. And I got that um, Jamie Babbitt called me to do a movie with Drew Barrymore. That was actually, that was an offer. But only an offer because they lost, I think, the actor that was doing it. So it was kind of like a favor <laughs> take actor. It. it wasn't like a... Take it, Charlie, take thing. it. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, we lost somebody and we need someone. Can you do this? And I was like, yeah, what? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yes, it, I think about it sometimes and I'm like, there isn't maybe a correlation, but... Right, but it was still nice. If, Even if, if you draw the line and say that it was, yeah. it's and a if nice encouragement. ready, I would have, I would have showed up drunk or hung over to a, a day of work, you know? I mean, I was never really that bad, you know, but I was always pretty good. <laughs> Looking back on it, like, you realize how much energy went into that you know uh -huh, either uh -huh. having your energy sapped out of you in the after effects or just the energy and thought and time you put into drinking yeah i'm mm -hmm. reading this book called because I'm, i really really my next goal is to quit smoking cigarettes mm -hmm. um you know then moving into like setting back on weed then getting my sleep <laughs> like my sleep cycle better you know what i mean I, I have, i've had these like eight things that i've really wanted to work on since i was you know graduating high school and getting into college you know when you pick up all the bad shit and you're like all right if i'm gonna fix myself i need to figure out these fucking things um but those i've been included in there luckily i haven't been smoking cigarettes that long i've started when i was 22 so a little bit less, but in this book that I've been reading, it's The Easy Ways to Quit Smoking by Alan Carr. It's a pretty yeah. famous book. I, I, I read I, The Easy Way to Quit Drinking book ah, that he has. Oh, <laughs> you know he had one. Huh? Yeah. That's so funny because I every time I'm reading it, I'm like, this is how I quit drinking, too. It's like, you just have to realize that you're stuck in a cycle, and you think that somehow this drinking is helping me get out of like my stress, but it's actually just perpetuating it over and over again. Mm -hmm. And whether you're like doing it you know, I was like a once a week, maybe once a month drinker, but I would drink everything inside right. and just, and I would, you know, wake up the next morning regretting everything, being like, what did I do? Where was I? I can't remember things. It was fucking terrifying, you know, and that stress 
would eat me and eat me until I went and got another drink. <laughs> yeah. Because it would make me forget it and black out again. Um, you know, the cycle becomes almost seamless that you don't notice those things and you're just kind of like, well, I'll just stick in it. Um, but that, I, somehow I, I, I saw that and the, that, that book laid it out pretty clearly in a smoking sense. But of course, of course there's one for drinking too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I don't even remember what the question was. I'm not sure if I answered it. Oh, you did. <laughs> you did. No, I was just curious. Yeah. Like you said, how, how things, your approach to work or your experiences with work had changed since you the, gave the up drinking. The thing is, it's, it's opened me up. Look, we all do smoking weed include like we all do these things to avoid stuff. I really, I think we've gotten to a place of thinking that like avoidance is, is wrong. And I, I don't believe that like needing to avoid or needing to escape some things is not unhealthy and you can actually do it in a healthy way. But if it becomes a crutch where every t- every night you're turning to it or every other week or any time that you have stress, you utilize it. then yeah, that's not healthy. And, and, Moreover, it's not allowing you to be the strongest you can be to like handle what's going on really in your life. And as an actor, we need to be able to go to those places. We need to be able to tap into them. I'm not saying that we should be able to figure them out. God knows I haven't figured shit out. But (laughs) we should be able to like face it. We should. And drinking was not allowing me to face a lot. A lot. And from clearing it out, I can say... I don't, it, I, I, I don't know why, but this feels like really big-headed um, by saying this, or like I'm on some kind of soapbox, so I apologize for that if it comes off that way, but I do believe that stopping drinking has allowed me to utilize my emotional craft better and understand it clearer, you know? I do. Thank you for talking about all that with me. Oh, hey, I, would, I mean, if anybody, I would feel most comfortable talking about it with you. <laughs> Shifting gears a little bit. You were... I'm sorry I'm smoking so much. Right? That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about all this. I'm fucking... We're on FaceTime. <laughs> Charlie is in LA and he's... I'm calling it out. I'm calling it out. Sitting <laughs> outside. <laughs> looking lovely in the sunshine. Um, with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So... How long after graduation did you get Chicago Fire? Two years. Two years. And then yeah. that that was a long gig. You were on that for years. I, I finally, yes and no, I guess. It was like, it was three and a half years. Three and a yeah. half, maybe almost four. Three and a half. Yeah. Um, how did you get through such a long gig like that? Oh, because the cast yeah. and the crew. That's, a, that's mean, just such a different experience, like doing something yeah. for that long. You know, it was a weird one, again, too, though, because if it was like we were on a show of eight people for seven years, like, even four years, like, you after you get drained from that. Like, I don't care who you are. I don't care how good the show is. I don't care if it's all family. I mean, look at Shit's Creek. Great show. You know what I mean? 
all family majority, you know, they love each other to death. I don't know why they're stopping in their like most successful season right now, but probably because if they're in their fifth season and they're tired, you know, mm-hmm. and they want to do something different and new. Um, and no shame to that. Y'all should like quit while it's hot. Smart. Um, but I think that's like a, 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 an example of like, it's, it doesn't matter how good it is. It, this it's a, it's a lot when you're giving this much time, this much energy to a project making a living so thank god you know but it's it's draining and i think um people get burnt out really quickly um and especially on a show like chicago fire we were doing 22 episodes you know it's like that is almost unheard of nowadays they just huge so huge and they're still doing it Um, (laughs) it's like gray's anatomy now because we had a cast of like 40 (laughs) like you know spanning over three different shows the weight of like you know the balance of work has become a lot easier i mean i'm still very close with all of them i mean like monica you know went to school with us she's like a big sister to me and joe is a big brother to me and yuri is one of my closest friends and you know he just just got off the show and is now out here um you know all of them it's all like family so i you know check in a lot and know that they've balanced out this work schedule so that when i was there it was very difficult because you were in everything. Everybody had to be there every day. Right. All day, You're like in the, the background or like doing, yeah. cleaning the truck just, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. The nature of the show. Yeah. I will say to you, for me in a humbling sort of a manner, almost every one of our background members is specifically members of the fire or police or medical community were real. They were mm-hmm. real doctors. They were real like nurses. They were, not every single time. I don't want to put my foot in my mouth, but majority of the time, um, all of our firefighters were real. Oh, wow. So for you as an actor to be on set for 17 hours and start complaining, you know what I mean? Right. About some shit while there's a real firefighter who has you know just spent 48 hours saving people, breaking into a, a burning home, you know what I mean? Doing exactly what you're bullshitting about. <laughs> <laughs> You, you need to shut the fuck up. That's <laughs> you know what I mean? fascinating. Like, That's really cool just, that they did that. There's no space for that. So it was it was really like really – for me, I, I look back and it, it was a really great show to start off on because it made me like aware of like actor bullshit. <laughs> you, you, we, we have no time for that and no patience for it. Fuck that. Stop it. Because there are people who give so much more that are here. I mean, look, I'm I'm engaged to a crew member. You know, what I, mean? <laughs> I hate that I say that to him, but I'm trying to protect his, you know, his uh, animi- anonymity. <laughs> um, but he's more than just a crew member, okay? <laughs> um, but I get it. I like I I know his experience, and right. they work. We we work in a very different way. Our tools are very different, but. From every crew member down to, like, especially the PAs, it's crafty, you know what I mean? The people that you think aren't doing anything because you're on set, you know, crying your heart out, they're working all fucking day and missing their families. They have sacrificed more than any of us, and they don't get paid. You know, they don't get the dividend on the end. Right. So, yeah, working on that show really clarified a lot of that for me and made me aware of the... I guess the business or the industrial side of the industry, you know, and how to kind of respect it. That's what so important. About? That's so important. 
No, some people aren't aware of that or can be disrespectful. I don't understand how they aren't. Like, it's so it's stupid to me. I, I will not. I mean, I, don't, I apologize if I've ever flipped on crew members who are listening who can call me out on it because, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to be a hypocrite and say that I haven't been an asshole because I probably have. But majority of the time, the only people that I'm fucking assholes to are actors being assholes to fucking crew members. <laughs> it enrages me because it's like, you know what power you have. Like, why would you misuse that right now? Like, go yell at a producer. Fine. Cool. I don't give a shit. Make sure you don't get your ass fired. But, like, don't yell at your customer. What the hell is that? Like, I guess coming, like, coming from theater, I feel like my outlook has always been that it's an ensemble and we're all making this together. We're all building this together. Yeah. But... I, How and can I, I, from film see it any other way, though? Well, that's what I, mean, I, I, I haven't worked in film or TV, really, to, at least not to the extent you have. So is there more of that, like, hierarchy? Even, no, to even honest, today? I've seen it in both. I've seen it on every edge, you know what I mean? Like, it's shitty people. <laughs> people are shitty people. And not to play devil's advocate, but I'm sure that they're shitty for a shitty reason. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I everybody's dealing with their, everybody's dealing with their own yeah. shit. All their shitty shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I have a little bit of like, fine, whatever you right. have your shit going on and you're an asshole because of something, but like, I'm not patient for it. I had, a, I had a, I can't say this person's name. That's this fine. wasn't on theater, but this is a theater actor. I know that they've done a lot of theater. We were working on it, and I won't tell you what show, but we were working on something, and they refused to go to set because they were upset. Upset about, like, other things. Um, and some of it legitimate, like, the script wasn't to their liking. Ultimately, I'm also one of those actors who's a little bit verges on the Meryl Streep side of it. Yeah, you should fight for good writing. You should fight for something. But, like, it's also your job to make it good. Mm. I, I love a good challenge when I have to make shitty television amazing. Like, it's hard. It's really like, if you can accomplish that, that's Meryl Streep level shit, okay? So, like, try. Um, try before you go rush into a writer's office and start bitching about, like, the writing. Like, try and make it work, because it might show you something that you weren't thinking of. That's always what I've gotten to. Every time that I have a problem with something, if I start working on it, majority of the time, if it's not a day later or an hour later, I'm like, oh, my God, how did I not see that? <laughs> Um, so just work it. Um, but I, there was an actor who was upset about some stuff like that, refused to come up on set and said, you know, they were like, well, it's dinner. Do you want to come eat before we have to film the scenes? No, I don't want to eat. Okay, fine. Well, now we're filming the scene. Do you want to come on the set and film the scene? No, you know what? I actually want Chinese food. Go and order me some Chinese food. I won't come out of my trailer until I have some Chinese I hope this person listens to this because I hope that they remember what they did. <laughs> I doubt they will, but I hope so too. Mm -hmm. Funnily enough, this might give it away, but the person who was in charge of going to get the Chinese food was the son of a very, very famous director and producer. Very, very famous. But their father had, you know, being the good father that they were, decided my son should not use my clout. They need to start as a PA. So they were working as a PA on this. They were in charge of getting food for this actor. So they go, and they find a Chinese place. They bring it back to the trailer. The actor, it's like hard for me to say this, is frustrated because it's not sesame chicken. It's orange chicken. Throws it to the ground and continually refuses to get out to shoot the day. They end the day. They don't finish filming. Send everybody home. 
RPA friend goes home, calls his dad, and tells him what happened on set today. That father calls this other actor's father, because the other actor is sort of known well to five by his father, and rings the shit out of him. <laughs> and the next day, that actor comes in and apologizes. Oh, <laughs> my God. Like, this is this is sounds like it should be the TV show itself. Oh, I, 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 it should be a, it should be an episode of like high maintenance behind you know? the scenes <laughs> drama. Yeah, it's just like and as a reminder to like actors, be kind. I've lost my patience. Like, be kind. You can always fix the situation. Just yeah. be, be a human being and apologize. Know when you're wrong. Know when you're wrong. That's fine. You can lose your temper, but like. Be right about it, like, because yeah. why, 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 why bring that kind of bullshit into an already shitty kind of world? Because <laughs> like, this industry is hard. Don't make it any harder. Especially don't make it harder on this like the PA who's just trying to figure their life out. <laughs> God. How do you and your partner deal with doing so much long distance with this business? Um, I, you know, I got really lucky. He is uh, also a military brat. Um, so a lot of times I'll tell, I tell a lot of my active friends that are like, I'm looking for a relationship. What do I do? And I'm like, just go find yourself a military brat. They're fucking great. They know, they know how to deal with anything. <laughs> well, you know, it's that to be said, it's still hard a lot of times. Um, but majority of the time that I'm the one that's like really upset for having to leave. Um, it, but for him, you know, I think he's, he's just, he's been, he's so used to it. He's, his father mm-hmm. left for years at a time and they had to adjust and because of that adjusting over the process of his life I think he's kind of like oh yeah this is just part of it um I we definitely don't like try I I, I have a lot of friends who will be like I'm only working in LA because of, you know I'm not leaving my relationship um I don't go about it that hard and we both as individuals respect each other too much to try and like limit each other to something you know, he works almost more than I do sometimes. So, like, sometimes he's the one leaving more during the year. Um, but it's hard. It's hard. It's really hard. Um, temptations are really hard. Mm-hmm. It was a thing for me, especially when drinking, that I was like, I don't want to fuck up. I really don't want to do something in the moment of, like, you know, I've been gone for six months and I'm just getting hazy and I forget that I have this incredible bond with this human being and this love and I don't want to fucking be an idiot. It was, you know, drinking was not conducive. <laughs> right. Um, blacking out is not helpful to that regard. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but in, in retrospect from, like, having done it now for years sometimes, it's, you know, everybody locks it up to communication. And communication is definitely it. Like, you need to have great communication. But it's the ways that you communicate. You can't just like sum it up to being like, I need to get on the phone every night and talk to my partner. The ways and what you talk about is the, is, is the more important part of it. I, I realize it. I mean, like there was a point on our first time being, I was gone for like six months. I can't remember what I was filming, but um, I, I just realized that like even talking on the phone, we felt distance because we weren't sharing our days. Like I didn't know what was going on in his experience. I didn't know what his life what was happening in his life. And it was horrifying and scary. It was like, I feel so distant because I just don't know who you are. And it's, even though we're here and we're talking to each other, we aren't, it's, it, it becomes difficult to really like sink in or resonate the same ways that you did when you were like, you know, laying yeah. on the couch and holding each other. <clears throat> but 
again, it's like, it's work. It's just a muscle that we're continuing to work and take it step by step and day by day. If we feel like we need to change or if I feel like I need to escape and go and see him, I go and talk to my producers and beg them to go home, you know, for a day, you know, even if so. Yeah. Yeah. That whenever Frankie and I are doing long distance, we always get to a point where we're just like, I love you and I miss you. I don't have anything else to say today. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, I just, I don't. But that's what I'm saying on the communication. Sometimes it's better to be like, you know, we don't need to talk right now. I need like just to need some space. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. How does your family take in your choice to be an artist for your living, for your profession? I, it's, it's, it's been, uh, you know, it's changed every step of the way. Um, I think that like, you know, in any kind of situation, the more like quote unquote success, um, that you have, the, 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 the more right it feels to everybody who's, who's around <laughs> you. <laughs> um, so it's gotten better. <laughs> um, but my parents from, from, I mean, I was adopted. I was adopted at four hours, uh, old so I, I when everybody says like from birth I'm always like from four hours <laughs> just to my be parents, specific <laughs> from the get my parents have been the most supportive of anything that me and my sister wanted to do um my dad's a boat builder and uh like he, he fixes cars and owns shops so he's very outside of it my mom I, I will say my dad's also a photographer he has he has an mm-hmm. artist's side um and he paints but he doesn't do it for profession he does it for his own enjoyment um so it's like you know it i don't know I, he was a photographer in life as a college like out of college and, and when he met my mom and i think because he didn't succeed at it i don't know if that ever had a opinion on him as as art um but he never voiced it to me he would never say like mm. you shouldn't be an artist because you won't make a living um but i know when i a pivotal moment in my life of realizing that my parents were on board. Like, I, cause I've been doing musical theater you know, I've been in theater since I was a kid and I hated sailing because I sucked at it. And my sister was unbelievable at it. She beat me every fucking time and I'm competitive as shit. And so I was like, screw this. I'm not doing it anymore. I jumped out of my boat literally one time and left it in the middle of the water. <laughs> Swam to fucking shore. And my mom was like, well, you need to do something. And I started doing theater um, and they believed in me in a sense of like, we're your parents and we love you and you're great. Right. But they didn't know if I was like really genuinely good or not until I auditioned for Juilliard, just kind of on a whim and got, we got in and that was good. That was cool. They were like, cool, cool, cool. But then when I got a scholarship for Juilliard, <laughs> they came into my work and like, sat at my table while I was waiting tables at this like restaurant there, waited for me to be done with everybody. And they were so excited. I remember being like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, what's going on? And they're like, now we believe in you because they're actually like, they're giving money to go there. <laughs> they're like, you must be good. I was like, oh, oh, now you're, now you're on board. Okay, that cool. sounds like my dad, for sure. <laughs> Like once I got in, they're like, whatever, all right, sure. Which doesn't mean he's still gonna make it. If they're paying for it, maybe, maybe. Okay. Okay. Truth be told though, I should say this just so everyone knows. I come to learn at the end of it that like almost all undergrads get some sort of financial aid. <laughs> and you know, in 
just for the world to know right now, I'm talking to Leah. Leah was a graduate student, and at their time, they did not offer any no. any kind of financial aid for them. Well, so we got really some, some financial aid, but it was not what it is now, where it's like no, fully subsidized or whatever yeah. the fuck. Yeah. I just don't want the world to think that somehow I got the scholarship because you know I was more talented or some shit. It was like, <laughs> no, 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 it's just because you're not a guy. Because of the FAFSA? <laughs> but they really appreciated it, I'll tell you that. Um, okay, well, we've been talking for a while, but I, I feel like we could, we could talk for a lot longer. Is there anything that I haven't touched on that you were really looking forward to mentioning or talking about in particular? I mean, like, you know, just because I know that there's like a lot of artists who are probably listening in on this, I just want to like, how do I explain this? I've realized in myself right now in like, you know, you reach plat- plateaus and you think, like, I'm one of those people who's always like, uh, I don't think I respect enough of where I'm at and what I've gotten to. Because you're always looking to, like, well, I have to get to there. I have to get to there. And, uh-huh. you know, from down below, you're looking up. You know, I look at our friends like Samir, our driver, and I'm like, whoa, like, if only I could have that opportunity. If only I could right. get some of those chances. Like, I got to get up there. And I just think about some of the people who are maybe looking back and or looking up and saying the same thing about me. I don't want to say this. I just want to give people like hope in some way that it's like this shit is so hard, and we're so hard on ourselves. And I don't have any of the answers. I don't know what made it different. And I still feel like even every day that I look around and I, I know that I've gotten a lot and I've accomplished so much. I still feel like I haven't done shit right. and I have so much further to go. And I don't know if I'm trying to say like, be good to yourself because it, it makes it easier in the long run or like, don't, we shouldn't care so much about the success of it. It's so much easier to say that in a position like I'm at, you know what I mean? So it's like, fuck me. <laughs> but I just, I, I don't know. The beautiful thing I'll say about this art is that there are so many fucking outlets. If it's not through acting, if it's not through directing, if it's not through creating, if it's not through being a manager, if it's not through being in publicity, if it's not through being an artistic director, if it's not through being a dramaturg, if it's not, you know, there's so many other ways that we can access this creativity and this specific world. I don't believe that anyone should give up on a dream or a chance to like, you know, well, I'll just go become a casting agent. You know what I mean? Because I couldn't do it. But I have found for myself that even, God, I'm getting so confused. Is what I'm saying? But no, keep going. Even in um, pushing against that and trying to succeed in this, this specific craft of, of acting, I'm starting to like realize that like it's not it's not my ultimate goal and hmm. my ultimate goal is is building these stories and whatever way that I can do that will be I, I think hopefully when I'm on my deathbed so much more valuable than saying I was you know acted in these or this or this or this you know all I'm saying is that it's like fuck just don't I hate, I hate that we all beat ourselves up and we think that like I haven't made it so I'm never going to make it or I haven't made it so I'm worthless or 
I haven't made it, so I have no place in this world. It's just like so fucking mean, man. There's enough shit around already. Anybody out there listening, you don't have to do that. <laughs> I swear I'm not high right now. <laughs> I'm just like, don't know what I'm trying to say. It's super emotional. I love I it. Just... I, I, I get the gist of it. Yeah. It's hard. It's very hard. It's so hard. It's so hard and it's not fair. It is, if anything you can take from it. Yeah. It's not personal, but it's also not fucking fair. This, and... it's very tricky. The industry isn't built in a way where there's a clear reward no. reward system or path or ladder there is no such thing as a climbing a ladder <laughs> all i know as hard as this can be all i know the best thing about how much our industry has changed in this day and age is that we now have the power to be a creative force on our own and you can if you work your ass off i'm a terrible writer but i've been working my ass off at trying to get better at it because i want to develop my own things you That's develop awesome. your own things you have the power to enter in and to take control so that's all that I can say to everybody to encourage. If you feel like you're stuck, if you feel like you can't go anywhere, if nothing's happening, if this industry is fucking you over and you want to figure it out, I would say sit down and figure out how to create. Figure it out how to make something good from your own personal voice. I mean, that's what Natasha did. Natasha sat with me in tears. I remember, I, I maybe shouldn't be giving this because this is a personal moment, but no, I, I think she'd be okay with this. I really genuinely do. Like, she sat there and told me, because it's, it's public knowledge. It's not like it's not out there. She was like, I've done, like, eight projects, and all of them have failed. She's like, I've been trying and trying and trying, and none of them have found success. None of them. Everybody is looking at me like I'm this crazy bitch who's, like, you know, found some success as a kid, and now I'm trying to, like, weasel my way back in it, and I have no talent. And no, you know what I mean? She was tearing herself up. And she's like, this is in the middle of working on Russian Doll. Let, let mm. me know. And she was like, I'm terrified that this is just going to be another one of those. She's like, so I have to continue to work my fucking ass off every single day. And that to me was just like, yeah, Charlie, like you, if you want to do, if you want to do something, you need to create it. And it's not going to, it's not going to be your first one. It's probably going to be your 20th. Some people get really lucky. Some people are just talented <laughs> and get it. So more power to you, figure it out. But my encouragement to the world of artists out there is like, create, 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 collaborate, create, 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 and make Love it better that. and better. <laughs> Charlie. I'm sorry. No, I'm that's a so great, amped. that's a great thing to add. I'm so glad. Um, I would end it there, but I have two little questions I always ask at the okay. end, but I'm going to do because anyway. Um, however you want. <laughs> this is good because the baby's about to wake up. Um, if, if you are in that like dark place, are there any concrete tools that you reach for again and again to kind of help you out of it? Like a book or music, like things that you go back to? Music always, 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 always. I have like five, six songs that I could go to right off the bat that I, uh, funny enough, um, Anthony, who was in your class, who's mm -hmm. the first person to turn me on to this. He was, he's an actor that always chose his inlet in through music. To his characters and I remember him saying that to me and it stuck with me I take it on another front of like my exit sometimes is through music my way back into myself is through music nice. that I you know and it's always things that like my mom would play when I was a kid so it has some it's not like the song is a credible song or anything like that it's just it's personally it, it helps me tap into something um or it also just like expunges I have a lot of like Joni Mitchell songs will just make me sit there and be like, oh, just... 
question is hmm, have you seen anything recently of any art form that you want to recommend oh wow that's a hard one right now um play readings i think for sure yeah like tap in i i know myself as an avid like lover of theater is still a little hesitant on like oh i have to pull up my zoom and watch a play reading that sounds that sounds clinical (laughs) (laughs) um but um, I really enjoyed doing it, and now I've watched a couple of them, and I've gotten a lot out of it, and it's really, like, really kind of fun. I will say, too, also, just, like, uh, as another yeah. outfit, I've been crafting a lot, which is, you know, any kind of, like, I'm a true believer in utilizing art outside of your art to kind of come back around to your art. What have you been doing? <laughs> that was a um, fantastic sentence. <laughs> I know, I know. That was a crazy sentence, but actually, I swear it No, I agree. I just got an adult coloring book that I'm very yeah, into yeah. right now. 
Exactly. It kind of like I feel like it just kind of like um, wipes the the slate clear. You know what I mean? Like it gets my system fresh. Um, but I have, I mean, all kinds of things. You know that I'm a pothead. I mean, and you can keep that in for the public because I've said that on a couple of these. <laughs> Um, but I will sit and like just you know smoke a little and like I made wreaths for a lot of people. Um, I <laughs> I made uh, I have I've not been like knitting like I really want to get into that, but I've been crocheting a little bit. I want to learn how um, to do that. Huh? I want to learn how to do that. I need to get like a starter kit or something. Crocheting is like a lot easier than knitting. I think that's why I got started doing it. It's just like you know like braiding sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been, for this show reading, I, like, created a lot of my props, so I was doing a lot of, like, you know, prop creation for it. I was working on this musical uh, with a group of friends, and we were, you know, of course, trying to do it for the cheap, and had made a lot of our props for that, so I was spending a lot of months prior to the, (laughs) basically, the day that the quarantine started was the day that we were supposed to open, so (laughs) we had to shut down. Yeah. Oh, oh, ultimately, though, I took away from that experience being like, yeah, we had the rehearsal process. We built a show. We workshopped it too. You know what I mean? So it's like, we got a lot out of it. I'm not upset that we missed the performance. The performance is the cherry on top, but right. rehearsal is the fun. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> uh, Charlie, thank you so much. This was amazing. It's really amazing. conversations valuable to your life as an artist and would like to support the ongoing production of The Compass, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thecompasspodcast. Pledges start at as little as $1 a month. Anything you can give would be greatly appreciated. Also, if you have a moment, please rate or review in iTunes. Every little bit helps other listeners to find the podcast. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, Music by Brandon Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.